Hello everyone, as always, I like to put a little warning for strong language in my episodes, and in today's episode, it's rated PG. This is good, wholesome entertainment for everyone. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy this amazing conversation that I have with my good friend, Brian Cruz, as he tells us his process of how to make a TV show. Welcome to IPA Sessions. Welcome to IPA Sessions, a podcast for independent artists. This is a place where we like to provide inspirations for practical applications and entertainment. I'm your host, Kay Jacob. And as always, I'd like to bring on a guest to tell us about what they do. And today I have a really good friend of mine, someone who I've had a chance of working with within the actual studio industry of Hollywood. But he himself is an independent artist that does his own projects. He is an actor, a voiceover artist, and a filmmaker. He also does some writing on the side. These are a lot of his independent hobbies, and I'm really excited today to talk about his TV show. That's right. I have someone who made a TV show today. So I'm very excited to welcome my good friend, Brian Cruz. Say hi, Brian. Hey, everybody. This is Brian. Brian Cruz here. I've yeah, been doing this for about 13, almost 14 years, which is wild. I'm originally from Michigan. I moved out to Los Angeles to pursue acting because I've always had that drive since I was like... 15 years old. And then I got out here and I found out, you know, you have to be kind of a jack of all trades to work in Hollywood. And yeah, I kind of learned to, yeah, I start writing and then directing, producing, and then acting in my own stuff. And on top of that, I've also been working, doing voiceover work, doing series, and also working as a double for different actors on Hollywood. And that's helped finance a lot of my uh, actual projects in the side, which has been fantastic. Now, I know today we're going to talk about your TV show, The Valley. But before we get into that, Give us a little bit of what you're currently working on right now. Is there any new projects that you have? Yes. Currently right now, I'm working on a uh, audio series called Reaching Rich, and it's actually on the network Pocket FM. You can see, I think we have about 20 to 30 episodes out right now. Yeah, it's an ongoing thing. So I record like five hours a week, and then they kind of release them. They do all the mixing, and they put music in and special effects and little sound effects and stuff like that. And I'm doing all these different crazy voices. Like I'm playing all the characters and narrating the whole thing. So that's fantastic. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool, man. It's fun. It's a little wild. Like I sit out in my little studio and I just talk to myself for like, <laughs> you know, for a while. I think we're going to have to bring you back again and talk about voice acting. Yeah. It's, it's a wild thing. Like I started during it doing COVID. I did a bunch of classes uh, during the lockdowns and then I got my own little studio built. I got my own mic set up. And then I just started submitting for stuff. And then I found there's a lot more companies looking to hire people from home. And, you know, it cuts back on their expenses. If you have good equipment, it's like the same as like bringing you in. And they just mix it on the fly, you know. So you send it in, they do their thing, and they put it up there. It's kind of fun. That's Get awesome. Up, drink your coffee and go to your recording studio. <laughs> I love it. Well, Brian, I want to get into your show, The Valley. Can you tell us about The Valley? Yes. The Valley is about five struggling actors with all the odds against them, especially talent. So The Valley is a show pretty much about uh, characters. When I moved to Los Angeles, I noticed that there's characters from all walks of life coming out here trying to make it, trying to pursue their dreams. And I thought it'd be fun to do like a uh, comedy-based series that's about, you know, these kind of people coming from everywhere, finding themselves, becoming friends, and pursuing a, a like-minded goal. And actually, when my buddy Tim Banks and I first came up with that, it was supposed to be more like Entourage in a way, where it was like just, it was just actors that just weren't there yet. Um, as opposed to, you know, dealing with the celebrities. But as we were writing it and working on it, it kind of became this like caricature of people and this weird like oddities type show. Yeah, almost like living stereotypes of, of uh, 
of actors that you've seen around here. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to just like regular, like ordinary people trying to make it, they became very big and and out there, and it became like a live action cartoon. And uh, the people that audition would bring stuff to the table where I'd be like, I never thought about that, but that's awesome. <laughs> <You know? laughs> nice. And it would change everything. And then you know, then I'd I kind of just like the characters came to life through these people, and uh, we ended up getting it out on uh, Tubi. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's on Plex. We're launching on local me right now, which is the Weather Channel's network. They have a okay. whole new network. I know nice. it's weird. That's different. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're about to launch on that. I just submitted everything actually this last weekend. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah, thanks. And we're on Roku. And I mean, we just keep spreading my, my distribution center, all channel, uh, all channel films. They've been great. They've been kind of just keep pushing it and pushing it, pushing it. We initially launched in uh, January of uh, 2021. Wow. January 2021. And since then, we've been just branching out more and more and more everywhere. So it's it's been a, it's been a wild ride, but it's a fun show. You should check it out. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I can vouch personally. It is hilarious. I absolutely love it. My favorite episode is episode three with the PA. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> so it's a it's a six episode series that's yes. on uh, all the shows that channels that you just mentioned so far for sure. Pri- Amazon Prime and Tubi. Uh, yes. I do recommend guys go out and watch it. It's awesome. And this is a, this is something different than most people. This is not a short film. It's not a feature. This is a series. Can you kind of take me through your process and how you went about independently making a TV show? Yeah. You know, initially it wasn't supposed to be what it is. Uh, <laughs> my, my buddy Tim and I were like talking about it, it was going to be like five minutes short. So we're going to do only like a few of them and kind of do it like, oh, we'll get some friends together. We'll shoot some stuff. But as we were developing it, the script writing, I just kept getting more and more ideas and they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden we had six scripts and it was like six full story arcs. And, and when they, the runtime for each episode is at least 22 to 40 minutes and it varies based off how I know how they do online these days. It's like the, no, no TV show is like one set limit anymore. And that's kind of how our show fell into that. So initially when we're writing, it became bigger than we thought it was going to be. So then it came to like, well, how are we going to actually make this happen? You know, and and I was like dead set on doing it. And like Tim was like, dude, you're kind of maybe going a bit too far here. We can't do this with our money and our financial status. Like we just can't. We're not big producers. Yeah, it's not a cheap production, I'm assuming. It's not a cheap process. Yeah, it's not. I mean, in total, the Valley took uh, about 24 days shooting, 24 days, which isn't bad for, you know, two hours and like 48 minutes. But it's still a lot to cram into that amount of time. Um, So we were very, very strict on our budget. But what it came down to was financing like Indiegogo, Kickstarters. We did stuff like that. We got some funds through there. Not as much as I would have liked, but it just was what it was. You know, we tried. It's, it's a tough business. It really is. People yes. try and, and sometimes something hits and sometimes it doesn't. It's just, especially with the film industry. We're here to present the facts and the truth and the honesty to people because I want this to be encouraging. I want it to be inspiring. And to have that information, you need to know the realities as well. Uh, sorry yeah. to interrupt you. Please continue. And it takes it takes connections a lot of times. I hate to say that word connections, but like with the film industry, I started working on set, working as a double for like big actors from Joseph Gordon-Levitt to, I mean, I worked for Tom Cruise before yeah. to Paul Rudd. I've been all over the place. For those of you who don't know, Brian has been with me on a previous podcast. He co-hosted with us, with me and Lexi actually on the Three Deemers and we called him Paul yeah. Rudd's double because <laughs> he is the doppelganger of Paul Rudd. <laughs> I get it all the time. It's, it's insane. I moved to Los Angeles. I became Paul Rudd Jr. 
it's cool. I'll take it. I'll take his career any day. Go for it. <laughs> uh, so by doing that, working on set, I took that money and I started piling together. And my buddy Tim did the same thing. He was driving Uber and he was also working on set and he was piling his money with mine and then people investing and then actually crew members as we we're going along, uh, different filmmakers we knew. Like we, I, I talked to like a key grip I knew and I asked him if he'd, if he'd like to be involved and he came in, he played a character. Another, another grip I knew came on board too. I, it's funny, grip departments. They're all about it. I love those uh, guys. I, I love that you got grips to act. That's amazing. Honestly, one of our our big uh, actors. Well, he's not. He's he's he plays the uh, the Hollywood producer on the show. That's uh, Randy T. His name is called on the show. But Ron Ronald Todd Woodward. He is amazing. Like he was the key grip on Melissa and Joey that a show that I worked on. And I put a submission on before the Valley. I put a submission on for a project that I was doing called Harrison, and it was on my Facebook page, just like a casting kind of deal. And he saw it. And he walked right up to me on set and was like, so I could play that part. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I was like, I'm like, well, let's try it. So I booked him in that after he auditioned, we talked about it. I knew he could do it. Then he came onto the Valley and he helped me produce it too. There was a lot of people like that, that just like kind of threw money into, cause they were excited about the project. So this was they a big help. I'm sorry. So this was a big group effort. It was a huge group effort. In total, there was like, I think about 97 people that worked on the Valley. Wow. So it really, it really branched out from just Tim and I sitting there coming up with an idea. And it was really, I think, the energy and the attitude we had about it. Like, we were just trying to have fun. We're trying to make something for everybody. And the characters were fun. The story was fun. And I think people just gravitated to it. Honestly, when we were shooting it, it was kind of cool to see because we'd be shooting it and people would be like holding back their laughter in the crew, you know? And we'd say <laughs> cut and they'd start laughing. And, and it was just like, it was a cool attitude and a, and a cool mindset people had that were going into it and just having a fun time. And I think that just kind of, snowballed and there were people that came on that initially were getting paid and then they refused to take money for a while i was trying to stuff money in their pockets but they wouldn't take it because they're like we want you to get this show done we want to see this out there and they would just like run from me i'm literally chasing people to either sign contracts or, <laughs> or to give or to give them money it was it was it was a wild time but it's just people believed in it and it was it was fun and it's, i'm so happy and proud of it and That's it's out amazing. there and people can see it it's 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 quite the process from a to z and if there's more steps and you can ask me more, but I mean, there's a, there's a lot that went into it. I mean, just kind of take us through the basic steps of everything that you had to do to get this running going into, uh, obviously you talked about your funding. So you, yes. I'm assuming you had to get a crew together. You had to get uh, rentals, I'm guessing um, yeah. you had to shoot your days, get your cast. Can you just kind of take us through that, that step-by-step process? Yeah. Once we had the cast uh, or the, the cast list decided for the whole series we we're going to cast, we went into the audition process. And through that, we used, uh, we used a studio in Hollywood called Cast Studio, which I think they've changed since COVID. But the way Cast would work is you could use their in-office studios for auditions as long as you pull from their database. So we would have okay. a listing on LA Casting, Actors Access. We put them up there and then on Cast. And then we compiled like a whole list of auditions through that. And we brought people into the cast office and we auditioned in person. Now it's so different. Now you probably just do it over Zoom or something like that and not even have to have a space, you know. But then we did that. And it was great to see people in person. We had callbacks there. The space was free, which is amazing. That's good to know. And one of our main people actually came from the cast database. Megan Skittles, Aubrey Mozino. She came from there. She's great. Yeah, she was, it was such a great find. And then she was just like, you know, random thing. We used their database. So after we went through and did like the first round and we did callbacks, uh, then we cast the whole series. And then at that point, now it's like, okay, well, now it's time to, to make it happen. So we started compiling our money. We had to figure out a crew. So the crew was, you know, it was a hard part. Like I knew some crew members working on set, but not enough that would come out. Like, especially just kind of doing this as like, a, and the project was SAG. It was a SAG, uh, it was under the 
new media project. So it was all union people. It was a whole union project, which is great, but our crew was still non-union. We couldn't afford to make a union project at this point, but SAG allows you to do non-union, but use union talent. So that's what we did. So we started looking for non-union you know, crew members, which was hard to find. A lot of people I knew just couldn't do it or, w- or wouldn't do it um, because just they didn't have the time working on their schedules. If if you met anybody that works in these TV shows, it's like they're working five to six hour day, six, six week days, and they're there for like 12 to 12 hours a day and they don't have the time to see their family. So it's hard to be like, can you come out on a Sunday to help us shoot? You know, because yeah. we were working around schedules like that, shooting on Saturdays and Sundays. So I went to Craigslist. I went to, um, which was a big thing, actually. Craigslist was huge. I found a lot of my uh, my crew on Craigslist. That's interesting. <laughs> I, I know. It's, it's wild. I worked with some big people on Craigslist. They were just working on this, all this independent stuff. And they were just, you know, you you know, you know they, they put their rate up there and you'd hire them and they'd come to set. And they were like, they're huge resumes. I'm like, Craigslist? Who would have thought? And then I found um, people in the New York Film Academy who were actually going to school. And a lot of them had access to equipment. They had access to um, locations all through the school. And so they wanted to come on as producers. So I bring on these students as producers. Like I remember like Megan Einstein, we called her. She uh, she came on. We call her Egg. Uh, she came on and she like started getting all these. Like in the Valley, there's like audition rooms and there's audition rooms and then agent offices, okay. stuff like that. And so we would use the New York Film Academy. We could go there and shoot. They would give us equipment. Like we just got equipment because she could just rent it out for free. It was wild. And we'd have all these free spaces and we just go there and shoot. And that was awesome. And so that took a big, big expense down. So we had that. And then we also had crew members from Craigslist. And then I had some people come out. Like I said, some of the key grips I knew came out to actually help. My buddy, Corey, who was uh, working on Melissa and Joey at the time, his company had a, a grip company. So he would be able to get me stuff too. So sometimes he would just give me equipment and we'd go to work. So really it's just pulling the people around you. And then also like the people on Craigslist, I had a guy I hired that brought like a whole truck full of equipment and he brought his son and they just came and they're like, let's do this. This is gonna be fun, you know? And so I paid him and his son. Love the enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was like training his son to do it too. And like, you could tell like he just jumps around all these different projects. He has every piece of equipment you want. And and he was awesome. And so I just pay him and his son and they come out and just do it. And there were people like that we met. We we, we met some crazy people though. I had a sound guy one time flip out on set and he had a huge resume. And uh, it was one of those situations where you got to put your producer hat on and be like, this isn't cool. Uh, don't do this. And you learn that too, doing this kind of stuff. It's like you meet some people that seem cool in an interview and they come to set and they're problematic. And then what do you do? Because you hired them for the day. You really are limited funds. You can't stop the shoot sometimes. So now you got to be like a mediator and work it out. And we had one day like that where we had to, the guy was great. His resume was great, but he was just, I mean, I, I have to say it. He was an asshole. You know, he was, that's just, so this is what it was. And I don't know what he worked on. Like, I know he had like a bunch of stuff, but I don't know how people like put up with him on set, you know, like he got hired so much, but yet he was just so difficult. And he told, he called my first AD a bitch. Like oh, it was wow. just like, out of nowhere. He's like, slate it, bitch. And I was just like, whoa. And we almost had like fire on set. So it's one of those things where you got to like figure out how to work it around your schedule, get rid of the person. We still paid him, sent him home and we finished our day. But that's putting a producer hat on, you know? Yeah. So the crew stuff is difficult. Then a lot of the crew that we hired would stick on for the whole shoot. It would be like, we wouldn't shoot for a month sometimes because of people's schedules. And those same crew members would come back. So it's about finding a good team that just wants to be there. So once you have the crew, uh, the crew established, now you're going into actually scheduling and shooting. So now we have to work around actors' availability which is a huge problem sometimes. A lot of these actors are shooting multiple shows at once. They're doing this for free as well. 
Yeah, do this for free. I mean, we were doing the valley under um under SAG contracts still, but it wasn't like they were getting paid like massive amounts of money, you know? Uh, so it was tough. It was just tough. And and so like I'm working around schedules. I would literally be like, okay, let's not do this scene this t- today. Let's do this scene. Let's switching scenes around, switching actors around just so we could shoot certain days. So then figuring out the schedules, ah, it's a pain. But once you get that, then you get to the set day, you know? And then on set, you get to deal with crafty. You know, with us, we were doing our own crafty. So we were going out shopping either the morning of or the night before and buying all this food and then figuring out lunch and, and having to like step aside for a second just to order lunch. We had some crafty people once in a while, which would help, but like other times it wasn't. Well, I had a buddy named Burby. <laughs> we call him Burby, but he did crafty for a while. He just started cooking. And so we just go buy all these ingredients and he'd be like jamming out to music and cooking spaghetti and stuff like that. That's awesome. <laughs> making tacos. I love that you have this super independent project, yet you treat it with a almost studio quality to it. You're providing an atmosphere that's very professional while also yeah. everyone knowing that we're doing something independently here. Um, that's really tough to, to accomplish, but uh, that's also really impressive. It's super tough, but like I've worked on set and, you know, I went to school for film and television and acting. And so I did, I, I did a lot of independent shooting when I was in school and, you know, I, I was on a show then too. And you learn like, how to treat people. Then you go on set and you see kind of how they do it. And it's like, okay, cool. From the independent scene to the big budget scene, I can do a lot of these same things. You know, I can, I want to take care of people. So what can I do to make people comfortable? Cause at the end of the day, people are coming out for like, you know, not a lot of times, not their regular rate, but they're getting paid or they're getting paid nothing. Sometimes people just donate in their time. So you got to take care of them, you know, and food is a big thing. So I always would, you know, find out what people can and cannot eat. It's huge. And then get everything you can to make sure people are you know, have energy during the day, they have breaks, they can keep going. You make sure you break for lunch every day and make sure they have something that's substantial so they're okay. And that's, that goes a long way. It does. So I try to like make a whole schedule, have a call sheet, make it, you know, I got a template online and may start making call sheets. I want to make sure everybody knew exactly what was happening, their call times. So there was no question because sometimes that happens on independent stuff. I've worked on so many projects where you just get like, you know, like just an address and a time and that's it. And you're like, well, what's happening? And they don't want to tell you anything. And yeah. it's like, if you give me the information, I can succeed. You know, it's like, give me everything I can to help me succeed that day. Even on this big stuff, sometimes you don't even get that. And it's, it's kind of frustrating because I'm like, it's just simple information I need to do my job, you know? Right. So Brian, you have your crew assembled. You have your cast together. You are filming. Now you said it took about 24 days, but that's over the span of almost a, a year or so because you're working on weekends, having to take months off. So it's very time consuming. Very time consuming. It takes a lot of time. Um, yeah. Once you are completed, what, did, what was your next step? Once you finalized all your filming, what was your editing process? Well, as we were going along, we were actually editing, which which helped. Fantastic. Yeah. So we were editing. Like I would send my I had an editor friend who I went to school with, and I also edit, so to that helps too. But he's like, you know, he's much he's much better than I am. <laughs> he he <laughs> just is. He's a fair. professional editor. Yeah. And I I do all right, but he's yeah. So I sent it on to him, and then we would have sessions where we meet and we'd sit down and go through dailies and figure it out and pick takes and you know that's the whole thing because he wasn't there on set, so he wouldn't get sometimes some of the direction we were going for. So there was a whole process of us getting on the same page. Yeah. And is there any good uh, editing software that you could recommend to anyone listening out there? Anything that's uh, reasonable, something affordable, maybe free, something that could help people? Uh, well, we, we've actually edited on an older software. We were on Final Cut 7. Oh, wow. I remember that. Yeah. Which you might be able to even get cheaper nowadays. So they don't really do updates for it. Um, but Final Cut 7 was like what we learned in school. And so we were like stuck on that for a long time. Final Cut 10 came out. 
And I just thought it was like watered down too much. Like they're trying to make it user friendly, but by doing that, it became worse of a program, if you ask me. And, you know, there's also Adobe Premiere, a lot of people use, and we wanted to switch to Premiere, but, it, but we were on seven for so long, we just stayed on seven. So that was just what it is. Work with what you know. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Yeah. And so we just stuck with that and it, it worked out really well. We actually still like finished it. But I remember my buddy, Brandon Peoples, who was the editor said, this is the last program I'm doing on seven. Well, we were on there for a few years working on the Valley. So <laughs> he, he was stuck in that problem program for a while. So, <laughs> uh, so over, overall, you finally finished editing. How long was this project for you? This project took a long time. It took about four years from start to finish, which is insane. And the fact that you kept the cast and crew around, that's impressive. Yeah, it took about, it was like a year, within a year we had it all shot. But between post-production, we had some problems with some hard drives. And so all of a sudden we're scrambling, like a hard drive crashes and you're scrambling to move stuff around. I kept buying more hard drive. We shot on a red, which was the problem really. I mean, it was a great camera, but the footage is so huge. We didn't really have enough hard drives at first. So I started putting footage on all these different hard drives as opposed to buying new hard drives, which I should have just done like right off the start. But I ended up buying more hard drives, moving <laughs> footage around. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're if you're spreading footage between multiple hard drives, too, for one episode, all of a sudden you have like five hard drives connected and it causes problems. It slows things down. So now we were, I ended up condensing everything to one hard drive per episode. And then that kind of sped up the actual post process. But we had stuff like that where the audio was synced and then all of a sudden the audio didn't sync we, we came back in it wasn't synced anymore and so like we had to resync like a whole episode and then we had to recut the whole episode because of that which was just insane like ep- that was episode three actually oh wow <laughs> my favorite i can tell hard work went into it <laughs> which was the first episode we actually shot so nice well yeah. brian now that you finished this and it's edited and you're ready to do something with it what do you do with it um yeah so for me that was a big question everyone asked me and everyone thinks you're just going to put it on YouTube. I heard that from everybody. Put it on YouTube. Put it on YouTube. And I said, after all this time and effort and all these people's expense, like, you know, it's just, it's just I need to put it somewhere. It needs to be seen. So um, during actual lockdown, I called every distribution house in LA. And by doing that, like, there's actually yellow pages for them. And you can find them. They have to have a number listed. Good so I went... Yeah, and, and a lot of people don't know that too. I didn't. I didn't know that until I started doing the yellow the pages. Are still a thing. <laughs> they're they're still a thing. It's still out there, and they're they're they are they have to. Like that's what I was told by one of the companies. Like they are they're forced to put a number out there in the yellow pages. Now, will they answer that number? It's a good question. Not everybody does, but I did get a lot of answers. And uh, one girl, I mean, like one girl, I answered. And I said what I was doing. I'm like, I'm here. I'm Brian Cruz. And I have a project I created called The Valley. We're looking for distribution. And she just busted out laughing. I'll never forget that. Just cackling, 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 cackling for about 30 seconds. And I'm like waiting for her to stop and then maybe say something. And then I'm not even kidding you. Click. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> just hung up. And I'm like, that's a real thing. That actually happens. Happened to me. So believe it. It will happen. People will hang up on you. Um, but after calling, like one of the people actually answered the call was all channel. And uh, I was speaking to their secretary and she goes, oh my God, this is actually somebody that wants to sell a show. And I was like, what? And she goes, I just answer this for fun once in a while. And I'm like, what? She goes, it's usually like a telemarketer or something like that. So if I'm bored, I'll answer this phone because they have a whole separate line just for wow. that. She goes, I'll randomly answer it. And I answered your call. And she's like, let me send it up the ranks. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was kind of shocked and I was, wasn't really sure what was going to happen. And so she sent it up the ranks. I got a call back. Um, it was a couple of days later. And I spoke to the main guy of the business. We talked about it. I sent him the footage. He reviewed it. He got back to me and he goes, 
he goes, this is a wild show. And I go, I go, uh, yeah, a little bit. He goes, do you really want to put this out there? <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, yes, I do. He goes, I goes, okay, just check it because you know, I, I, you're really putting yourself out there. This is crazy. This is a wild show. I, I like it, but it's just so different. And I was like, I'm like, yeah, man, this is, I mean, we put, I told him all the work. He's like, I'm all about it. If you want to do it, let's go. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I sent him all the, uh, the footage. And then he put me in contact with like the person who handles, yeah, he assigned me somebody. Dylan is the guy I talked to. And then Dylan ran wild with it and started sending it out there. And, and they have connections. Like this is an independent distribution company. And what they do is they have connections to all these, all these platforms, whether it be Amazon to Netflix to Hulu, everything, you know, all the small ones like Tubi to, you know, Plex, like all these little things. He has connections to it, Roku. And so he does is he sends it out to these companies and say, what do you think? They negotiate everything. And then they find out who wants to play. And Amazon was one of the first ones that wanted to play. And so Amazon put it up there and then Tubi came on board and then Roku and then Plex. And now it's like a big snowball effect. It's on like, it's, on, it's honestly on like seven or eight networks. So I to list them all. I'm like, I don't even know. He sends me a thing every month. And it's like, I got a new one. And I'm like, wherever you want to do, buddy, let's go for it. You know, that's awesome. Put it out, <laughs> put it out there. I'm like one of these networks, it'll go big. I'm hoping, you know, like it'll get the right audience, find the right audience and it'll blow up. And then, you know, it'll be one of those stories where it's like 10 years later, we do season two. Hopefully it's not 10, but if it's no, I I'm already for have the next that year written. Or two. <laughs> I hope, I hope I already have, you know, an idea for the the age jump. And we really don't look that much different, really. Like the cast, we're at an age where we're like 28, 29. And so now like, you know, we're, we're in our mid thirties, you know what I mean? And it's like, not that big of a difference. No, that's awesome. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, I'd love to do more. So, uh, so you did it, you got it out there. You got a, you got a distributor, you got a network. That's incredible. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, now, do you get any kind of monetary gain from this? Do you have any financial benefit? I know you put a lot of time and effort. You did a lot of, you know, yeah. fundraising and, you know, people giving their time. Uh, yeah. Was there any monetary value in this process for you? Uh, has there been any payout for you? It's a slow process. I'll say that. But the Valley costs like 25 grand for six episodes, something around there. And that's with a bunch of favors and help, but you can do it. Like that's huge for six episodes. Yeah. It's huge. Like nobody usually does that. And I was told I was crazy with that budget. But so the, the, the gain, it's like we have not made our money back yet, unfortunately. But I get a check every other month and it's like, you know, it's not huge, but it's, you know, every check is a little bit more. That's so I'm good. hoping eventually we'll be making money and then everybody that donated time will be able to get their money back and then some, and then it'll hopefully lead to another season. That's the hope. And there's a lot of people like, it wasn't just Tim and myself. Like when I was going along, my girlfriend, Nicole at the time, who became the prop master, she actually became a producer and she put a bunch of money in, you know? So that was a huge help. But then she left and I got another girlfriend, Sabrina. And now Sabrina came on and she became a producer. And so <laughs> she put a bunch of money in too, you know? So it was like, it was like, and then she, I actually, if it wasn't for Sabrina, it probably would have never been finished. Cause you know, it gets to a certain point where you're like, you get frustrated and stuff and you need that that support from a loved one being like, no, this is like, it's, this is something, you know, keep going. And then, you know, and she helped me with schedules and stuff like that too. And so like, amazing. it became a, it became a team more than anything. Like, and, and like just in the post, the post was huge. And then little pickups we had to do. Cause I was always changing stuff. Like I was just like, as we're going along, I'm like, I can do this on a pickup day and this and, and add things that we didn't do at the time. And it was huge. Even the party scene, the party scene was the last thing we shot. And that was like over a year after production. Wow. So we, we brought everybody back for the party scene because we just didn't have the funds for it yet. And so we brought everybody back for one day of shooting for the party scene. 
Brian, I'm rooting for you and I'm rooting for your crew. They are, they sound like amazing people to, to have Great stuck people. around for that long. Uh, I really hope that this benefits you guys. I hope that you get a chance to get the finances you need and make your money back to be able to produce another season. I'd love to see it as a fan of the show, a genuine fan. I would love to see a second season. And thank you for the support. It means a lot. It really no, does. No problem. Hey everyone, just taking another little miniature break here so that you guys can check out this commercial for The Valley on Amazon Prime, Tubi, and Plex. On the season premiere of The Valley. I have an audition for you. You have an audition for me? Straight to call bag. He said to be good to go, and I said, I'm always good to go. Woohoo! Sure, I didn't buy you any damn panties. Oh, they feel great against my inner thigh. Oh! Ah, Show me out! Look at it! Look at it. Seriously! That was an audio clip of the commercial for The Valley on Amazon, Tubi, and Plex, courtesy of Brian Cruz and his amazing crew. Do yourself a favor, guys. Watch this show. It is absolutely hilarious, and I hope you enjoy the rest of this conversation. So, back to it. Uh, so thank you for taking us through your process. Uh, I know that you've mentioned a lot of things. Uh, I, I like to usually ask around this time some of the hard realities that you had to face, some of the, the challenges that you've basically had to overcome. And I know you mentioned some things with the editing, the hard drives, but what would you say was the biggest challenge that you faced that you had to overcome? I think like any artist, I say, is this worth it? You know, in the day, I'm like, is this worth it? And what am I doing? Because monetarily, it's like, we spent so much money. I put so much of my own money into this. I'd be like looking at my bank account and be like, how much do I have for rent? And how much do I have for the Valley? You know? And like, and that's what it would come down to most of the time. Like I would be like, can we shoot or can we not shoot? Do I, um, can I pay rent? And so money was always the do thing. Do I have a house or not a house? <laughs> do I not? Yeah. Yeah. And it just didn't come from, you know, people just didn't, it wasn't like people just gave me forecloads of money. And when people gave me money, it wasn't a lot. It was a little bit like 25 bucks here, 25 bucks there, you know? So I was still like, you know, going to work every day and busting my ass to try to get the money just to make it happen. And, you know, and taking jobs I didn't want to do a lot of times too, just because I, you know, I just needed to get this done and I, I felt so strong about it, but I questioned it for a while and, and could I actually finish it? Could I actually do this? Like I'm always a perfectionist. I've always, when I, when I set out to do something, I tell myself I'm going to finish it. It's going to be the best of my ability and nothing's going to stop me. But there was a time where I was like, can I finish this? There was a time. And I think we all go through that. And you just have to be able to, to step back and be like, you know, look at your passion and say, this is this means something. This means something not just to me, to everybody else that got involved, all the time and the effort. And like, and if you really have this passion, then why would you not finish this? Why would you why would you waste all that time? Because at the end of the day, we we create to get it out there to give an impression, to get let people feel something, let people you know, have some kind of emotion, whether it be sadness, happiness, just to get away from the world and just enjoy a moment, just separate from our real lives. And that's what I've always wanted to do. And I, there was a point where I almost didn't let it happen. And that, that, that drives me nuts to this day. Cause I'm like, how could I not let this get out there? How could I not have the payoff after all the time and effort of like letting people enjoy it? Like you, like people that just had no idea about the Valley, but are able to sit down and laugh and have a good time, just distract themselves from this crazy world we live in that we know we've gone through a lot more hardships in the past, you know, couple of years than yeah. we have any time before, our, you know, at least in our lifetime, you know? Yeah. So it's like, that's why we do this. And for me, there was a time where I didn't know I could actually finish it. And I did. And that just tells me that if you put your mind out to it, you can do it. You can accomplish anything. 
I keep saying like, you know, the more I do this industry, it's like the more opportunities I get, the more I push myself, the more opportunities I get. This past year has been so hard for me because I've stepped aside from just being a double and doing stuff like that to actually pursuing acting more, but more and more jobs are coming and bigger jobs. So it just takes putting your mind into things. Like if you want to make that project, make that project. Don't let anybody tell you no. Don't let me tell you it's too big. You're too small. You don't have the money. Like you're not a big movie star. You're not a big producer. How can you do it? Well, it comes with writing and actually going through and making it happen. You know, completing it, complete it, complete it. That's the biggest thing. You don't know what's going to happen until you complete it. No, I, I love that. I love that answer too. Uh, it seems to be a reoccurring theme on here with a lot of the artists that I interview. No matter what project, it always seems to be that the ultimate thing that you got to do is have faith within yourself, faith within your crew, and determination. Yes. And you have to just do it. We always come back to that, just do it. And each person breaks down differently what just doing it means. 100%. Thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to keep kind of going along this line of some, some, I guess you would say, just some of the, the down stuff, you know, the hard challenges. I want to ask you, what's something unexpected that you encountered during this whole process? Something that you actually had to learn in the moment. I know you have a history of filmmaking and acting. I know you have a lot of experience. Was there anything unexpected that you had to actually learn in the moment during this process? Honestly, I really never thought I'd be a director. Like I've done directing, but like, it wasn't really my thing. Like I've always been like, I'm an actor. You know, that was always my big thing. I'm an actor. Then I became a producer. Then I'm a writer. Now I'm, now I'm a director. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, what? But there would be times where along the process where I'd watch dailies and I'd be like, what are we shooting sometimes? Cause we had, we had, we were trying, our goal was to have a different director on every episode. And then I slowly kind of got into it more because I was just like found that, I guess I just found that I had more experience than I thought I did directing just from like being on set. You had a gift. Kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a gift. I would not say it's a gift. There are a lot, there are a lot better directors than me. That's what I'm saying. I never, I still don't like to call myself a director, but I, I realized that I could have an eye for things I didn't realize I had for directing. And I, I actually like had a lot of time where I was like, am I really going to direct a whole episode myself? Because I didn't want to do that from the get go. And I love, I love episode four, which is the one I directed. And, um, and I also helped out like a lot of pickups on every episode just because it was something I realized that I could do that I didn't ever, never thought I'd have a passion for. I mean, there's still stuff I, I wouldn't do that I, I did. <laughs> like right. sound once in a while I've done sound and I am not good at sound, but I, I realized I can make it happen. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it's like, it's like pulling the focus. Like I never thought I'd be able to do that. I did that a few times and I never want to do it again. So <laughs> it's like, you know, and it's like, I learned a lot. I never did wardrobe stuff before. I never built props before. And here I am building props and staying up all night making things. And it's just like getting creative with my hands in ways I just I just didn't do before, which was fantastic. You fully immersed yourself within this project. I did every job, which is huge. I think everybody, I think every actor should do that, honestly, because if you do that and every producer, 100% should. If every producer does every job, they'll know how much time it takes for every job and they'll realize why you go on over schedule sometimes, you know, that, or, or you just don't have enough time to squeeze in this many scenes because they look at every job and say, Oh my God, that's so much work. There's no way we can do all that work in one day. But a lot of producers don't have that mindset. They don't do every job. And I think that it has given me a valuable lesson of this is how much time it takes to make a show go from start to finish, how much effort it takes on each department and how much money it takes. And I think the Valley really, really trained me for that. So now I've, I do something else or I get into like a different position. I can do a lot more things than I thought I could do initially. I'm not just an actor anymore, which is good. <laughs> you got 
strong confidence now, and it's backed up by experience. Bravo. Yes. Well, try, 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 try to. <laughs> right. Well, you know, uh, and my next question here, it may have already been answered, but that's okay. Uh, Let's go. I, I want to know, what is the most valuable takeaway that you learned from this experience? What was your most valuable takeaway from this process, from this whole filming venture? I would say, I mean, it's something that I, I knew before kind of, but just just treat people well. I mean, just take care of your people and treat them well. And it's not about like, and no one, no one is more important than another person. Like when you're on set, you are all cogs in a wheel making one show, one project. It's not just the actor. It's not that just director. It's not just a P. I mean, it's everybody. It's everybody. Everyone is part of this. And without every little piece, it just crumbles apart and doesn't work. And I just think that in order to make a job work and make a, make a show effective, you need a great crew behind you that just treats everybody right. It, from from top to bottom. And if you don't have that, days can be worse. I mean, it could be hard to make your day. It can be hard to actually get through and finish the material. If you have somebody on set that just doesn't have that attitude, like it can just crumble so fast. I agree. So I would say like, it's all about an attitude for me. It's all about an attitude. You, I just think that there ne- always needs to be positivity and people need to reassure people and people need to just be on each other's side and have each other's back and work together without any kind of egos. There's always going to be egos here and there, but they should be able to be checked and understood and and understand that the whole process is not just about one person. And unfortunately, there are people still in this business that think it's all about them, and it's not. It's just really not. And they just I just wish people would be more humble about it because when it comes down to we were all kids at one point, or at least the majority of us were, um, that wanted to do this, you know, and we gave up a lot to make this happen. And if we're at work all day and we're upset, why did we give all that up? Why are we doing this? Why can't why can't we all just be having a good time together and playing like we were kids again, but getting paid for it and 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 creating something that's going to be around forever that will hopefully leave an impact on society and and everyone else that we know and love. Well said. I fully agree. My last personal question for you and you know, you mentioned earlier the determination that it took for you to accomplish this project. What was your drive? What got you through? What drove you? Um I would say the cast the cast did. It, I, I felt like if I didn't finish it, like it was just the biggest, like the biggest F you to the cast, you know, all the time and effort and all the, I mean, just, just the hours we put in and, and just the energy to create these characters and, and to make this story come to life. At the end of the day, if I didn't do it, I, I, I don't know if I could ever talk to those people again. You know, I don't know how I could show my face to them. And so like one of the biggest things for me was when I was able to announce that we were, we were going live. Like I could tell them we're going on Amazon, we're going on Tubi. I was like shaking. I was so excited. I did a Zoom meeting because of course we're all in lockdown. And uh, I did a Zoom meeting with all of them and I hadn't seen everybody in so long. And I've already, I already felt like they were like thinking it was never going to happen. You know, they're positive, but there was still in the back of my mind, I thought people thought that this was not happening. And I felt let down. It took so long, but like it was the biggest joy of my life to tell them, hey, we're going somewhere. People can see it. That's you know, incredible. Your effort is worth it. Your effort were worth it. And so like I put it out there and and they were so happy. It was it was it was such a fun time. It was such a fun time. And I don't think they even believed me at first. And I started putting all the, the promos and stuff like that, you know, and it's like it's I coming. love your promos. I love the theme song. Uh all <laughs> that's great. Who does your theme song, by the way? Uh Johnny X Martinez is his name. I love uh, that he, song. He, yeah, he he's a great guy. He's very talented. And he did a lot of the score. He did majority of the score. We had two different people compose it, but for the majority it was Johnny. And he did the original song. He did that parody of, there's a song called uh, I Want Ponies, or 
that's what you made. I want ponies. It's called I Want Money I want by money. the okay. Flying Birds. I want money. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. But he did like a little spinoff like, called I Want Ponies. And uh, that became like one of the main themes. And then also our theme song, uh, the Valley theme song, that was uh, that was a created too. And I love that theme song. It's a play off of uh, Family Matters in a way. Yeah, that it is kinda that. Has, it, it has <laughs> that, that time, you know, it has that time. And so we, we were kind of like trying to channel that during the whole time. And actually at one point that was the temp music for the intro credits. And, but I think what we came up was a lot more fun. I, I wrote the lyrics to it, you know, which I was just kind of figuring out throughout the time. And then uh, we went down and sat down and recorded it. And it was, it was, it was, it was fantastic. And I, I love it. It's just, it's fun because it, it really makes it feel like a real TV show. You know, it's like when you hear the intro credits and you see them dancing around and stuff, it's like, oh yeah, this is, this is the Valley. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it. And it sounds again, it's, I can tell from what I watched, you obviously had a really good crew. You had a phenomenal support system with actors and your cast. Your composer was great. Yeah. You did a great job as a leader. Well, let me say too, Adam Conroy actually did the theme song. It wasn't Johnny. Okay. But Johnny did like the I Want Ponies, a lot of score. And then Adam Conroy did the uh, actual theme song. Just so I give a little shout out to him out there. Hey, shout out to Adam Conroy. Thank you, Adam. Yeah. So now I'm ready to start moving some more positivity here. Uh, although the last yeah. couple of questions were very positive. Thank you for that. I just want to ask you, is there anything that you would say to anyone looking to do what you did? If there's any advice you can give for any future filmmakers, whether there's someone our age, someone young, people who have no idea how to go about doing this, but they want to, what could you yeah. offer them? Uh, persevere. I mean, honestly, uh, what it comes down to is come up with a script, get some people involved that want to make this, you know, sit down with some friends. If you have other passionate people, get sit down with them. Look at your pool of people around you and see like what people want to do. If you live in Los Angeles or you want to come to Los Angeles, there's plenty of people out here that want to create content. There's a lot of actors that are just trying to act really. So if you come out here, get on LA casting, get an actor's access, find some actors, find people that want to be involved, shoot some stuff, shoot a test at first if you need to get a day. And then write a scene and then shoot that test and, and put it up the way that way social media is these days, put it out there, see what people think. Now, if you, if you get great feedback, maybe get more people on board from there and then put some money together, uh, do some Indiegogo, do some Kickstarters, try that, try pooling people around you. I did an, uh, an independent feature down in San Diego area and uh, it was like the producers of it actually went around and they had people just like throwing money at them because it was like people that never been involved in film and have always wanted to produce something. Yeah. And so they were giving them like thousands of dollars. Like, here you go. Here's a few thousand just to, to be a producer. I'll be, if you do that too, you get, if you get people on board and be like, Hey, you want to be an executive producer? If you give money, your executive producer, offer them points in the back, create contracts and be like, okay, cool. If you're gonna give me this much money, you know, if this thing sells, make official documents. It's huge. Be like, okay, cool. If this sells, you're going to get like five points on the back or something like that. And they know your money back plus that. So people feel like they're part of it. If people want to help you create and want to throw money into that, do that. Help, have them help you create. Now, if it gets too far out of the way that, of, of your actual story, maybe you want to stop. But I mean, like you can find people that are like-minded or like you that want to make something. So just pull people together. Ask people. Ask, ask. That's a huge thing. People don't want to ask. I tell people that all the time. I know it's hard to ask people for favors or to be like, put yourself out there like that, but put yourself out there. Be like, this is what I want to do. I mean, for years, I've been working as a double and a stand-in and a lot of people didn't know at first that I wanted to do this. They just thought this is what you do. It's, it's a weird thing because even at that job, you would think that that person wants to be an actor or they have other aspirations, but yeah. people don't know that. They just don't until you say it. And there'd be people I would tell and then they'd be like, oh my God, you want to do that? I want to do that too. What kind of stuff do you write? You know, or what kind of stuff do you want to produce? Or what kind of stuff do you want to act in? And you create those connections that way. And then all of a sudden you got people helping you out and create something that 
It's going to be magical. It's going to be memorable. It's going to be something that you're going to be proud of, but you have to put yourself out there and then just go through and make it happen. And don't give up. Don't, don't, don't be like a lot. And there's a lot of people that have created stuff that I know I've shot so many projects where we shoot like one day. It's supposed to be like a four day thing and then it never ends. Like they never, never do it. I'll say disappear and they're gone. Don't be like that. If you're going to commit the time, do it, finish it. Because your word is a big thing too in Hollywood. If you don't finish it, people are going to say that you're flaky. Don't be flaky. Even if it takes you a long time, update people and finish it and make it come to life. And then people will believe in you, believe in you to the point where you'll be able to do more stuff. Right. So it just takes time, commis- committing, and, and actually making it happen. Yeah, just don't give up. Just don't give up and do it. That's what I would say. Yeah. And look, and, and in, all, in all honesty, I would say that you don't even have to live in the Los Angeles area to do this. Brian Very and I true. both are implants. Brian's from Michigan. I'm from Louisiana. But we came out here because this is where our path took us. But that doesn't mean that you can't go about making your own projects in New York, in Florida, in Texas, in Illinois, Ohio, wherever you are. If you're determined to do this, do it. Follow the yeah. advice that he's given you. Make those contacts with people. If you've got a friend that takes photos, see how they work with the camera. I mean, yeah. that it, you can do this. You just have to be determined. You have to persevere. And there is a resource called Backstage.com. They used to be just like a, a book thing before, but now they've actually made their, inter- their interface pretty huge. So you can look for crew on there. You can look for actors on there, any place in the United States. So you can put a posting up on Backstage looking for producers, looking for you know a DP, looking for a sound guy. That's great looking, advice. You know, looking That's for awesome. actors. You post it up on there and then you get actual people feeding back and you can even, if you want, if you, if you get enough money, you can actually pay people to fly in, you know, you can do, or find room and board. People will fly in to work on stuff. You know, people do that all the time. There's postings on there where it's shooting in New York or shooting in Florida and they say, okay, we'll give you this rate to come in and then we'll give you room and board. Or maybe we'll give you this room and board and we can only pay you a little bit. You know what I mean? You can work it out with those people, but people are willing to travel to shoot. So put it out there you know, make some listings and see what happens. Like, honestly, I see stuff pop up all the time, all over the country on backstage. Just, you know, try it, see what happens. I bet you'll find people in your area that you don't even know about that are wanting to film with you. And, you know, maybe even willing to write with you. You know, if you want to be a writer, if you just want to be an actor, you might just find play productions on there in your area that, that you can just go shoot in, you know, and you can get more acting credits. It's a great way to make new friends and professional colleagues. Absolutely. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you sitting down and talking to us and just telling us how it is. Um, Yeah. Is there anything that you would like to promote right now? Uh, We've talked about the value. Please plug it again. But any other projects, this is your moment. Seize it and keep that hard work going. I want to promote you, sir. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I would say check out the value, of course. Amazon, Tubi, Plex. We just launched on a Local Me, it's called, which is kind of like uh, Roku in a way, okay. where they have like live channels in your area. Plus, they have original content now. They're branching out too, so you can find it on Local Me. So check out the Valley. That's a fun show. Six episodes. I'm just saying. And then also check out Reaching Rich. I'm doing that right now. It's an original audio series. It's on Pocket FM. You can find it on your smartphone or your tablet or your computer anywhere you want to go, and you can stream it right to your phone if you want. Check it out. We have about 20 episodes. I know they're launching more. We've actually recorded uh, 185 episodes. So there's a lot more coming and it's not, it's not going to end anytime soon. And also I have a project called the, uh, <laughs> it's called Scott Styles of the Seven Seas. It's a film <laughs> that I shot. I know, right? It's a film I shot in uh, March, which is going to be coming out this summer. It's a lot of fun. I play a politician and uh, the, whole, the whole concept of the, the story is that I'm up for re-election as mayor and my brother appears who thinks he's a pirate. And he causes chaos in my campaign. 
So that's it's awesome. it's fun. It's a fun. <laughs> it's a fun. It's a fun comedy, and there's some heartfelt moments in there with me and my brother. And uh, we had a great time shooting that over in the San Diego area. So that was a lot of fun. So that's coming this summer. So look out for it. Nice. Well, Brian, thank you so much. As always, I hope that the listeners out there found this episode to be inspiring, to be encouraging, and to know that there's if there's a will, there's a way. Brian, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Uh, just keep going to everybody. If you want to do this, it's it's a weird industry and it's a hard life. And you'll probably get ridicule from you know family or friends or you know, I, I hear things from people that are supportive and not supportive. It's tough. And uh, it takes a strong person to keep moving forward. But if you really have a passion for this and you love it deep down inside, just keep going for it because nothing's going to satisfy you besides this. It's not. You'll get a job and you probably, you won't, you won't find the smile that this will give you if this is truly your passion. And it's tough. It's, I mean, we've, we've talked about it, but it's not, it's not an easy place to be and it's hard to find your path. And there is no direct path. There just isn't. A lot of people I know have found it here through different jobs, through different opportunities, different people. They do one thing, it becomes something else. But if you have a passion for this, honestly, put your all into it. Don't give up and don't don't get upset that it doesn't happen within a year. A lot of people give themselves a year. A lot of the big time actors has taken at least 10 years. Here I am, it's, I'm almost at 14 and I'm not where I want to be yet, you know? And I'm still pushing forward because I love it. And I'm having great memories along the way. And you will too. But just don't, you know, don't be tired and don't be upset if you don't get there as fast as you think. But if you really want it, you can find a job in this field. Absolutely. I don't know a better note to end on. Uh, Well said, well put. Great discussion with you. Thank you again. People out there, please do yourself a favor. Check out the valley. Check out the valley. That's right. (laughs) And until next time, stay golden. Thanks for tuning in to IPA Sessions. To help support this podcast, please rate and review and click that subscribe button to follow for new bi-weekly episodes. And if you're an independent artist out there looking to promote your work or yourself, please reach out to me via social media at IPA Sessions on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also reach out to me via email at ipasessionspodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope you felt inspired.